Well, if you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, I want to address tonight something I've been thinking about for a while, and it's uh, come because I've been thinking about it because we've seen it again and again in John 6 as we've been studying this lengthy chapter in the Gospel of John, John 6. I want to take you to Philippians 4 tonight just to begin. It's the idea, the idea that I've been thinking about is what you need. What do you really need? (laughs) We say this about a lot of things. Oh, I need that, or I need more of this, or I need less of that. (laughs) Uh, But what do you really need? And we've been seeing this in John 6, the people coming to Jesus, inquiring of him, following him around. They saw his miracles. Those who were at the feeding of the the 5,000 plus ate the bread, ate the fish. They come back for more. They're they're coming, looking for Jesus. And then when he teaches them, (laughs) they're they're not content with that. They're not happy with that. They want something else. The people coming to Jesus weren't content with the truth of the gospel, which is what they desperately needed, and they thought they needed food. They thought they needed to see more miracles. In Philippians 4, Paul is writing to the believers at Philippi, and in chapter 4, beginning at verse 10, Paul is speaking of how God is providing for his needs. And God was using the Philippian believers in some measure to provide for some of Paul's physical needs, but God's provision goes beyond the physical. And that's what Jesus, we've seen, seen Jesus saying to the people in John 6. That's what we heard Jesus saying in John 6 this morning, that he is the bread of life. He's the bread that's come down from heaven. But now let's look at the passage in Philippians 4, beginning at verse 10. And we aren't going to stay here in Philippians tonight, but this is a foundational passage for beginning to answer this question, what do you need? Or may you, uh, might you ask it of yourself, what do I need? What do I really need? <clears throat> Philippians 4 and verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul says here in verse 11, that he is learning, (laughs) 
And this is something we don't really like to think about. Learning to be content. Oh, that we would learn to be content with what God has entrusted to us. In every circumstance of life, he was learning how to thrive, and you saw it there when he had much. Yeah, You think, well, that shouldn't be hard to learn how to be content when you've got much. But yes, you need to be, learn how to be content when you've got much. He's learning when there's much. He's learning when there's little. He's learning how to thrive, how to abound. He's not merely getting by, but he's learning to live. And you know, we studied Philippians together, and you know, Philippians is all about joy. The whole, the kind of the big idea of Philippians, joy in the, that we can have in the Lord. But he's learning to live with the joy of the Lord, whether he has a little or whether he has a lot. And then in verse 19, Paul gives the believers this encouragement that God will, and you just heard me read it in verse 19, God will supply every need of yours. And then this uh, important phrase here that we should not overlook and skim by and hurry past, that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That is not, um, we might say, well, yes, Paul's encouraging them that God will meet their needs, but he's going beyond the physical needs here. And he's pointing to something that is so much more important than only our physical needs. It's our spiritual needs. It's the riches that are ours in Christ, our riches in glory. According to his riches in glory, he's going to meet our needs. He, uh, Paul's telling these believers, God's going to meet your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, this foundational truth that we see in this passage is that not only does God have the ability, he also has the means. And his means are like none you've seen. The, the ability that God has and the means, the things that he has to bless us with, are far beyond our imagination for having our needs met. We can certainly think of things that we would think, I need this and I need that, and if God would supply my need in this, then I would, then I would have my needs met. But God, God wants to go beyond those things that we think about in this world, in this life, to the things that prepare us for this life to trust Him more and prepare us well for eternity, to worship Him for eternity. So this foundational truth goes far beyond what you think you need and goes on to what God knows you need and what he can meet from his resources, the resources that only he has. The problem for us all, though, is that we, we live here and now. We don't live in eternity. We don't, we're not in heaven yet, right? We're not done with, I always think of gravity. You may not think of gravity very often, but gravity is always there. And uh, gravity's always pulling us, <laughs> pulling us down. I think well, one of these days we're not going to need gravity anymore. <laughs> gravity's for us because if we didn't have it, uh, it would be incredible, wouldn't it? We'd be we'd uh, we'd have problems. But but gravity actually causes problems too, doesn't it? Gravity causes issues, and and it pulls us down. It weighs us down. And that's, that's like what we're going through as we live here on earth. We've got not only gravity, but all kinds of things affecting the way that we think, the, the, way, that we, uh, the way that we live, and we can become overwhelmed with thinking of our physical needs because we can't get 
past the physical needs. We can't move on beyond them to think about what's most important for us spiritually. Those physical needs that we can't seem to get beyond, they're not our only needs. What do you need? What do you really need? And I'm encouraging you and challenging you to stop and think about that. Especially, I want you to learn how to think biblically about that. God knows what you really need. And he's given you his word to help you recognize and learn about what you need and then pursue the fulfillment of your most important needs in him, through his riches in heaven. So what does the Bible say about this? It actually says quite a bit, really. Uh, I want you to think about this with me tonight, and I want to take on a brief survey of the Bible here as we kind of look at several passages And I'm not going to ask you to go with me to all of them, but if you want to write some of these down for later reading, they can be an encouragement to you. What are some common beliefs about our needs? Think about that. What are some common beliefs about our needs? And what is a a biblical approach to dealing with those common beliefs about our needs? What's a biblical approach for understanding our true needs? So let's first turn to Romans chapter 6. If you want to go there with me, Romans chapter 6. Your flesh will tell you that you need, well, the world, the flesh, and the devil will tell you that you need, here's the first one we're going to think about, freedom to do as you please. Freedom to do as you please. And much of what hinders our faith actually revolves around this false belief that you should be able to do as you please. You should have the freedom to do as you please. So look at Romans 6, and let's read verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We sang about this tonight, this grace greater than our sins. Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, by, uh, in Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death, a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. That's Romans 6, 1 through 5. The world that you live in, the flesh, your, uh, your, your desires, your fleshly desires, and the devil, they're all trying to convince you that what you really need is freedom to do as you please. And isn't that what we see going on in our culture and even around the world as people throwing off restraint, uh, wanting to do as they please, saying we ought to have the freedom to do as we please. But that's not freedom. (laughs) Uh, That's not freedom. That's not the freedom you really need. In fact, the Bible shows us that that's no freedom at all. Uh, The man who thinks he's free to live as he pleases is actually and slave to sin and doesn't realize it. 
But through faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven our sins. Or as Paul says, those who are, we just read it, those who are baptized into Christ, meaning all who are believers in Christ, have now been set free from the bonds of sin. And that's something that we ought to praise God for. Before faith in Christ, we were captives to sin. And we can only think about sin. We might have been thinking we were free to do as we pleased, but we were actually enslaved to the bondage of sin. Now, skip down to verses 17 and 18. Romans 6. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. You see, the scriptures teach us that there is something better than the freedom to do as you please. And it's becoming a slave of righteousness, which is actually no slavery at all, when you think about it. It's incredible, isn't it? It seems incredible to us to think about being enslaved to sin. That person says, I'm free to do whatever I want. I have no one telling me what's right and wrong. Whatever I want to do, I do. Well, we, can, uh, we all know that that's not true. You can't get away with that for long. Uh, but the world that we're living in, and even your flesh and the, the devil will try to convince you that you can do this, that you can live in freedom to do as, as you want. But God's word is challenging us and teaches us that true freedom is becoming a believer in Jesus Christ and becoming a slave to righteousness, having been set free from sin. Now, we're not done with sin, are we? And, and we all live in the frustration of that. We're still this side of eternity where we still have to deal with temptation and sin. But we're not bound to be sinners. We're not enslaved to be sinners. And with God's help, with His Word, and by His Spirit, we can learn, with God's help, strengthening our wills to say no. We can learn to say no to temptation. We can learn to say no to sin. And we can experience victory over sin. Oh, that that would be more and more true of us the closer and closer we get to to heaven. And every day we get closer. So there's something greater than freedom to do anything you want, which is really no freedom at all. The greater freedom, the real freedom, is freedom from the bondage of sin. That's what the world needs to hear and know. And that's what God's people need to take to heart and, and live in light of, that we're not bound to sin. We don't have to sin. We, we can learn to say no to sin with the Lord's help, with His Word, with the strengthening of His Spirit. So what's next? What else are the kinds of things that, that we're taught to think we need, and yet the Bible teaches us something else that's contrary to what we would uh, say in the flesh? And this follows closely after the freedom to do as we please. What comes next is, um, uh, some would say, material wealth. Material wealth. We're tempted to think that we need better paying job or uh, we need a raise uh, or maybe we t- to, to lift up our standard of living or we need relief from high taxes. That would be okay, wouldn't it? We wouldn't complain about that, relief from high taxes. And we're hearing a lot about inflation these days. We think, oh, if things were cheaper, if, if the cost of things would come down, 
Do we really need that? Is that really what we is that really what we're going to spend our effort and energy on thinking about and dwelling on? But what we really need is is not greater material wealth. What we really need is to have through faith in Christ the the unsearchable riches that are found in the gospel and apply those unsearchable riches that are found in the gospel to our lives daily. Uh, listen to Ephesians 3.8. You might want to just note this one down. Ephesians 3.8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. What's that? That's the gospel. He's preaching the gospel of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. There is no comparison to the unsearchable riches of Christ that are ours by way of the gospel, by way of God's word when we get into the word and we get the word into our hearts and minds. There's no comparison to that and earthly treasure. The building up of, the pursuit of, the storing up of for future use. Yes, you ought to work. Yes, you ought to provide for your family. But that ought not be what drives your life Listen to how 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5 describes uh, the riches that are for those who trust in and hope in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. (laughs) There it is. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so that verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Think of the riches that are yours, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And what we really need is not ultimately better pay, a better paying job, but the rewards that only God can give as we live for His glory. Those eternal rewards that we, that we gain by walking with Christ. You can hear Jesus pointing the disciples to this in Luke chapter 18. Listen to verses 28 through 30, Luke 18. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Jesus says to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. That's the riches that are yours if your hope, if your faith is in Christ, the unsearchable riches of Christ that are yours. And what you really need is not to have more so that you can have a higher standard of living what the bible teaches us as followers of christ if you name the name of christ and say you're a follower of christ what the bible teaches you ultimately god calls you to live to a higher standard not that you need a higher standard of living as in more income but you need to live to his higher standard Uh, says titus 2 verses 11 and 12 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness 
and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. (laughs) And for every age that was to come after this was written, this is what believers are called to. Are we living in a perverse age? I think... um, I think God is judging our nation with perverse and crooked leaders. And that's what God does when, when we forget God. He gives us crooked and perverse leaders. And we can see the culture going that way. It's becoming perverse and crooked and twisted and upside down. God calls his people to live to a higher standard. What's most important is not that we be well off and comfortable financially, but that we live up to who we are in Christ. That Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. We have an incredible message to share. And we're to be tra- trained, training us to renounce ungodliness, uh, to renounce worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. When? Right now, in these days that we're living in. Matthew 7.12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, also uh, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We, we think about the way that we live in this world, and, and uh, there's so much that goes on around us. People say, that's not right. To, uh, you, know, you should stand up for your rights, and, and you should do something to make, make sure that that is set right. Well, how about if God's people lead by example by doing unto others as we would want them to do unto us? To live to a higher standard. Philippians 1 and verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. May our manner of life as God's people, as God's church, not put a stain on the gospel, but lift the gospel up. That's what... We're hearing Philippians one twenty seven. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what we're to be all about. As we look forward to our dedication Sunday next week, we need this reminder all the time. This is a, a wonderful place that God has given us. It is a tool. It is a tool to be used for the sake of the gospel. And may we always use it for that. May all that we do be for the purpose of advancing the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that people would come to Christ and be saved and have lives that are transformed, that they might go on to share the gospel with others. And what you really need is not relief from high taxes. Of course, that, again, that would be nice. But ultimately, God gives you relief from the cares of this world. He doesn't take you from this world. And he doesn't lift the cares of this world off your shoulders necessarily. But he helps you learn not to make that your priority. Not to make that the, the, the core of your life, the center of everything that, that, that you revolve around. Ultimately, God gives you relief from the cares of this world when you're growing in your faith in him. I've said it before, I encourage you to think this way and pray this way. I pray often that God would increase my faith and strengthen my faith, that I would go on in obedience to him, that I would not fear the things that, that happen around me or, or that I think might happen around me or in me, but that I would trust him more and more. Luke eight fourteen shows us the problem 
of being choked by the cares of this world. We can see it in the uh, the, the gospel here, the, the four types of soil where the seed fell. Um, verse 14 of Luke chapter 8, And as for what fell among the thorns, you remember that? The, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Oh, that we would not be so overwhelmed by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life that we don't mature, that we don't continue to grow up in Christ. Matthew chapter 6. Do you want to turn there and look at this with me? Matthew 6. We need to guard against believing that we need freedom to do as we please. We need to guard against the temptation of pursuing Material wealth for the sake of material wealth, for the sake of having more. We need to learn to live to a higher standard. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, go to verse 31. This is the solution to those problems. Here's the solution to those problems. Matthew 6 and verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Uh, Our heavenly Father doesn't deny that we have needs. He knows that we need things, as these believers did. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's the solution to our temptation to think that we need more, more wealth, more income, or lower taxes, or lower prices, or a higher standard of living. Live up to God's standard. Make that your passion Make that your focus in life. Yes, provide. Yes, work as God has commanded you to work. Provide for the needs of those under your care. But don't get carried away by providing for the needs of those under your care. Make sure you you make a priority of living up to God's standard. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He knows of your needs. He will help you. He will provide for you. These things will be added to you, says Matthew six thirty one through 33. And then in Matthew 11, listen to verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, you might look forward to rest at night and think that uh, that's a good thing. Guess what? There's something even better. Rest for your soul. Rest for the soul is is the is the only kind of rest that you'll get from uh, from God's word that that will surpass the physical rest that you get at night. The rest for the soul can spare you the the trauma and the the angst and the challenges that you 
deal with when you, when you let things kind of roil in your soul. You need rest for your soul. You will find rest for your souls. When? When you come, when you come to Christ. When you rest in what's yours in Christ. When you rest in His promises. When you rest in the truth of His Word and you seek to grow in your faith. You ask God to help you grow in your faith. God, strengthen my faith. Next, what about, what about worldly wisdom? Isn't that what you really need to survive in this world? Kind of some street, street, street smarts, street knowledge, street wisdom. We need something. We need the wisdom of this world so that we can get on and, and survive in this world. No, the Bible makes it clear that what you really need is spiritual wisdom and understanding. We can spend so many days of our lives pursuing worldly wisdom that, yes, may do us some good on earth. But what we ultimately need is not to neglect this. We need spiritual wisdom and understanding that only God gives, and he gives it to us from his word. According to Colossians 1.9, far more uh, than we need the wisdom of the world, we need to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Filled. You think you're filled yet? You think you're filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? I'm not. Are you? You think you're filled? I, I don't think we'll, any of us will be totally full <laughs> this side of heaven. But you know what? We ought to try. We ought to pursue the wisdom of God's word. Now that's foolishness to the watching world. The watching world looks at that and says the gospel is foolishness. Pursuing the wisdom of the Bible is old-fashioned and outdated. That's foolishness. The wisdom of God is foolishness. That's 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 21. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being, who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the, of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debtor of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, the gospel, to save those who believe. The world looks at our so-called, they say, so-called wisdom about the wisdom of God's word and say that's foolishness. But that's what we need more of. We need that, that thing the world calls foolish. We need more of it. We need to feed our souls with it. So what we need more than worldly wisdom and the world's ways of doing things is to believe in our heart of hearts in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. We begin there. And then we need to live with the wisdom of God, training us and guiding us teaching us and instructing us, correcting us and admonishing us, convicting us of sin, strengthening us for change that glorifies God and is for our good. Now, speaking of what the world thinks we need, you hear a lot about supposedly the need for social justice these days. Is that what we need to be about as believers do we need to be about, as a church, pursuing social justice for the world that we live in? 
Is that really what the world needs? I would argue no, and I think the Bible argues no. What the world needs is to be justified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of problems would be solved if people come to Christ. As people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? They change. <laughs> they change into the image of their Heavenly Father. They, they become more like their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As they, if they walk in obedience, they begin to change into the image that, that God has for them. So what the world needs is not social justice. The world needs to be justified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The world needs to be saved from the wrath of God. Social justice and social reform, it's not the greatest need of our culture. That's not what the world's telling us, though, of course. But that's not the greatest need. The greatest need is for faith in Jesus Christ. And And those who give their lives to Christ have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to praise God for that peace. We ought to pray for that kind of peace for our neighbors because they come to Christ. Lord, give us the courage and boldness to share the gospel with our neighbors so that they might be justified by faith and have peace with God through their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What we need more than anything else is the work that only God can do in us as we submit to him, as we turn to Christ in faith, first of all, and then as we continue to turn to him, asking for our strength to be, our faith to be strengthened, soaking our hearts and minds in the word of God so that we're saturated with the truth of the word so that as the spirit works, we're yielding, learning to yield to God. What do you really need? What do people in this world really need? We all need the same thing, in fact, and it begins with faith in Christ and our ultimate needs are met in Jesus Christ. We may, uh, we may forget that at times. <laughs> we, we are uh, tempted daily to forget that, aren't we? To think that, boy, what's my, what's my biggest need today? <laughs> How am I going to meet that, that most important and urgent need today? May we all make our most important and urgent need of every day being with the Lord in prayer and in his word, submitting to him, thinking about how our lives are being lived out for his glory and if there's something that we need to bring into submission to him and and correct with the wisdom of his word. So may God's word instruct our hearts so that we see clearly our greatest needs are met in Christ and by the work of his spirit and by the work of his word in us as we submit to it. As we, Colossians 3, one says, as we seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. May that be a reminder to us that we, we can easily get caught up in seeking the things that are on this earth too easily. We need this reminder once again to seek the things that are above. I need that reminder always, and I'm guessing you do too.
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. God is, uh, God is uh, reigning in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ at his side, and uh, we look forward to that day when we'll see Christ. Yes? I know I do. I, I look forward to especially being done with temptation and sin, being done with these earthly bodies, but until then, we have God's word, and there is hope. And the joy is ours as we walk with Christ and we seek the things that are above. May we do that. May we be challenged by that to order our priorities and ask ourselves, what do I really need when we think we need things? What do I really need? Be reminded, you need Christ. You need his word. And you need to seek the things that are above.